Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast where we talk about pretty much all things Trek. Today, we're continuing our Best of TOS series with the Star Trek Season 1 episode, Space Seed. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Slash Trekkies, starting with none other than a hooster in himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Glad to be here and interested to talk about this. I don't know if I'm going to keep my Star Trek badges of whatever I may have after this one, but I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you back. And also on the podcast, we have the Trek historian, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? Good. Uh, we were supposed to watch Space Seed. Oh, God, not again. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Also on the podcast, we have the Stargate story. Jeremy Barrow, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. And unlike my friend Jonathan here, I can read episode titles and watch the right one at the right time. I will be cutting his mic feed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody, let's get into our review of the original series episode, Spacey which originally aired February 16th, 1967. The Enterprise encounters brutal superhumans led by Khan Noonien Singh, who battles Kirk for control, turning trusted colleague against Starfleet. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an demon. At ease before you spray something. So, guys, let's go around the horn and get everyone's high-level opinion of this episode. And we want to start down there with you, Jeremy. What do you think, man? Um, I don't know about high-level, but I really thought this was a good episode. And if the episodes, if I watch more and it stay like this, this is going to have me a fan of yet another Star Trek series. Yay! <laughs> That's awesome. What about you, John? Uh it was good, man. I, I I did enjoy it. It's the first time I've actually sit down and watched something in probably a week and it was well worth the time. Um, I went into it open-minded as usual, but what I think what really got me was the story was good enough to kind of make me not really pay attention to much else. So usually I have my normal complaint of it's not pretty and shiny like we used to, but you know, the story kind of made up for that. Like I really didn't pay much attention to that. Interesting. How about it's good enough to spin off, make a movie in about 15 years? I would have actually, I would have been excited to see that movie. Oh, I watched it, dude. It, it, I, I went straight into the movie. So good. You've seen the Wrath of Khan, though, I'm sure, plenty of times. I, I have not. What? Oh, I've not seen any of the original movies, TOS oh, movies. Oh, my God. I mean, I had seen it before, I mean, a few times, but I just went like straight from this directly into it. It's a beautiful thing, man. Beautiful thing. You need to watch the movie soon. I plan on it. Kyle Jones, man, what do you think, dude? There's something wrong with me. There has to be something wrong with me because I so did not enjoy watching this. This was so <laughs> boring to me. Boring? There were so many things oh I did gosh. not like about this. Oh. There has to be something wrong with me because you guys are like saying how wonderful it is. And I was like... All the original episodes, you know, from the original series that we've reviewed, I've enjoyed. I did not have fun with this one. Really? I, I feel bad for saying that, but I did not enjoy this. 
Wow, well, we're going to have to get into it. I'm sure you're going to have plenty to say as we roll through um, a few of these points I have written down. But wow, man, I am I am kind of shocked, actually. So, well, let's get right into it. Enterprise detects a ship, an old Earth vessel, which we come to learn is a ship from the 1990s. So many things on this. But let's go. Just general thoughts on maybe where in time for us this is placed as, you know, the real human race and maybe where in time in the events around this in the Star Trek universe of what we know from other series that use these fragments of this episode to create an even bigger story. So I want to throw that to John first. Like, what are your thoughts on this being in the 1990s and the whole maybe the eugenics World War Three stuff around this? Uh, so I'm going to tell you what threw me off a little bit about this. And I, I guess because I'm remembering Enterprise episodes and I'm trying to rectify the timeline in my head and I'm not real sure that it worked. Uh, but so they made mention of an issue. What was it? I think he said in 94, like this ship was launched in 94. Did he say? Yeah, I think so. Somewhere around that time. And, and so my immediate thought was like, oh, 94. What were we doing in 94? <laughs> so when, what, what, when was this episode released? So this was 1967. So they were looking what almost 20 years in the future, yeah. almost 30 years in the future to see like where we would be. That kind of made it interesting though, because you're looking at it, you're like, this is what in that time, this is what they were thinking the future would be. And now we know what that future was and that wasn't it. Yeah. How, and thinking how wrong our forward looking was at the time and how wrong is it now? You know what I mean? A lot of times on this, on this show, we talk about where we would be in 20 years and all that. But I mean, you think back to when they released this show where they thought they would be in 20 years and it was nowhere close. You know what that reminded me of? And I don't know, kind of, I don't know who else would remember this too, but back when they used to put show the Looney Tunes cartoons all the time, every now and then they'd have the cartoon about, you know, the kitchens of the future, living to the future. And they'd have all this fantastical stuff like flying cars and self-cleaning full kitchens. You know, this, this is kind of what it reminds me of, you know, just what you think it's going to be, but it's so far off the mark that's just laughable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Star Trek isn't unique. I, I'm not going to blame them too much for getting it wrong. But like like you said, those cartoons and I mean, Back to the Future, there's there's so many examples of movies where they put it in the not too distant future, but it's like way different. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and, and obviously, I think here they weren't. I think the part that they got wrong was. I don't. I, well, let me put it like this. I don't think they were trying to make it into something that w- they thought we'd be doing in thirty years. I mean, I, I don't. Maybe so. I mean, I don't honestly think they thought we'd have genetic engineering in thirty years. I don't think that they seriously thought we'd be in deep space. But who knows? Because we think right now we're going to have uh, self-driving cars in a couple years everywhere, which we're, we're not. I mean, probably tw- ten or twenty years, maybe. But I don't know. I don't know if they were trying to get it exactly right. I don't think Trek ever tried to get it right. But I think that's why, or at least for me, is why I love it so much. Because, I mean, all of these 
things that they created, I don't think they actually thought this would happen in a timeline. They just created something like a what if, like this would be cool. This would be awesome. But what made it so awesome for me is like a lot of these things happened. You know what I mean? Like the iPad, the view screen. I mean, they're not saying these things were directly affected by Star Trek, but I mean, they got it right. Most of the time, the things that they came up with out of someone's imagination, Gene Roddenberry's imagination, like actually came to fruition. And that's where we love it. And then you get to this point and you're like, ah, this wasn't right. And and most Trek is in a very distant future. You know, this this is a case. And as is as is a lot in TOS that I found as I've been rewatching a lot of it, you know, they either they're either going back to the 60s with some time stuff or. You know, they, you know, they they they're trying to make it more relatable in a sense. And to have this not so far in the future, I think it's cool. But also when you look in the Star Trek canon, how it plays into so many different storylines from Enterprise, from um, uh, Encounter at Farpoint. You know, they're talking about the the uh, eugenics wars and that and World War Three and that. So, I mean, I, I like how what they're saying here permeates through all the Trek. I mean, even in discovery where they find the church in world war three and they bring it back to that planet. Um, all of that's kind of tying in together. So I, I find all that really cool. Oh yeah. But again, there's, there's, and it, it would kind of take me going back and watching enterprise again, but I, it's just, it's kind of neat how enterprise kind of fit their story in and it, it's for the most part it's been pretty accurate uh, except for this one and I can't remember like I can't remember the exact storyline on that episode I can't even remember the episode name when uh, what was it Eric Kassoum I don't know yeah so name. so they had the Klingon mutation disease and he like took it and mm. used it on some uh, some more was it Klingons I think that were more human looking. Yeah, I don't think it was. Maybe it was all Klingons. I don't remember. I know they didn't. A lot of them didn't really look really clean, clean on at all. So, well, well, I think they were using that to explain the Klingons and TOS. And also by the end of that, with was it Eric soon? They Eric, uh, yeah. Eric, Eric soon. They spend it off a little bit to where he was like at the end. Hmm, maybe I'll try robots next. Right. <laughs> And of course, his descendant is is Data's father. And I find it funny that both of their middle names is Noonien. Is that like a normal name, or did he use it because he knew? So of- <laughs> I did some research, and he used it just because he admired the work of Noonien. Soon, he just it, it wasn't it wasn't really a given. Like it's just it was an homage, right? Interesting, interesting. So let's get into some details of the episode because I could talk about that backstory stuff all day because I find it all interesting. So we have at the very beginning, um, you know, you hear us talking about this seek you or please answer if anyone can hear this. And we find out the ship name. Eventually, the ship name is the Botany Bay, which was designed by Matthew Jeffries, the same guy who designed the USS Enterprise. So that's pretty cool. And we figure out that there's faint signatures on this ship. And (laughs) McCoy says there's heart action aboard. So we have this ship with these bodies aboard. 
any any thoughts on what was running through your head when you first heard this? Because this episode is new to you guys. So I really, really would love to hear your opinions on what were your first thoughts when you actually heard that there were bodies aboard this ship? Well, Star Trek Beyond, I believe it was the Star Trek Into Darkness, the um, second J.J. Abrams movie, just kind of told the story to me already. In a oh, that bastardized version of it. No, <laughs> yeah, no, you don't want to talk about that one. But it's 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 there. It is kind of, but I don't know. You have that, and then again, you have the greatest Star Trek movie ever made, The Wrath of Khan. That it also spins off of a little bit, you know, with the JJ sauce. So I, I don't know, man. You're right. It does kind of tell the same story, but to me, it's not as impactful as as this one. Coupled with, you know, the the real world 15 year span to see what actually happens. And we can get into spoilers. Ain't no use of belabor. <laughs> the, the real yeah, world 15 after. year span of what happens in the meantime or what doesn't happen in the meantime. I feel like that's more compelling than, than you know, if you like the flashy stuff that J.J. Abrams provide. Of course, it's awesome. It's cool for this generation. But to me, this one is more impactful. But but go ahead. I, I kind of cut you off. No, I think that was really, really, I mean, that was really the summation of this. Is, you know, having already seen this story told, again, you know, I get, well, again, but for me the first time, you know, just kind of, kind of knew what I was walking into. John, any thoughts? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm actually glad I don't remember those movies very well, but I, you know, did we not expect, I mean, it, it's kind of one of those stories that's kind of played out a lot. It's just this particular scene like i already knew when they found this ship adrift and it was ancient that there was going to be cryogenic stored bodies there and somebody from the past like it it happens on almost every series that right. i could think of so yeah uh, by now not, yeah yeah you have to take it for what it's worth and then you have to think about when this was made and you know what their thoughts were and all that but overall i think it was a decent opening yeah any thoughts, Kyle, on the opening of the show, the um, discovery of the ship? No, no, that right there to me was good. I enjoyed that. That was not where I went off the rails at. So, okay, okay. So this ep- this episode has a lot of things I love, but it also has some questionable things that I have to look with my twenty twenty eyes. And maybe it might be the same thing what Kyle is talking about. That. Mm, seems a little weird from a um, maybe from a woman's point of view, and I'm not a woman, but I, I see some of the semi-sexist in a way. But let's talk about Lieutenant Marla uh, MacGyver's semi-sexist. <laughs> uh oh, look like we have thoughts here. <laughs> well, no, no thoughts. I mean, I, it is what it is. I mean, the TOS was just known for for that. I mean, at the time it was okay, but I mean, this day and age, it's just, it's very sexist and that's what it is. And, I mean, but, fortunately, no, the council culture hadn't counseled, hadn't just said, you know, Hey, this is terrible. This is women are objectified in this way. Or, but it, it, it was a bit much for me. You know what I mean? I, like, yeah. really? Like, really? Are we really doing this? Like, so, so we have this boarding party and they choose Miss MacGyver's to to join that, join the boarding party. And she's instantly smitten by who we come to know as Khan. And from there on out, he pretty much just has her 
on a leash, I hate to say, but she, he, she's at his beck and call for the rest of the episode. And a lot of the stuff I, I kind of see it as more of that bad boy type mentality because he's the ultimate bad boy if you think about it. But by the same token, it's sort of like, um, what's the, the, the Twilight movies where the girls like just throwing themselves at the, 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 the main vampire guy. It's like, really? Really? This is a lieutenant in Starfleet. And she's just throwing herself at this guy. Now, there is a lot of appeal there. I mean, he, he's a buff guy and he's a leader of a past gone genera- civilization, you know, um, and especially when they get into comparing him to other uh, great. Well, great. I'm holding up quotes here. People over <laughs> that from our, our past. Um, I You can kind of see why she's smitten by him, but still. No, I don't. Like, no, I, I don't I, either. Like I, I was really so. Number one, I kind of looked at her like, "Oh, red shirt, she's gonna die." She did mm-hmm. good thing. Yeah. Uh, but it, like, I was like, really? Like, I, I kept looking for another reason why she was so obsessed with this guy. Like, I kept wanting it to be like she had to know it had to be a drug or something. It only worked on women that she kind of got into when she got to the ship or because she's a historian, she knew he was, I don't know, gray in bed or something. I don't know. <laughs> but like, I just started looking at him and like immediately went into a catatonic state for a few seconds. Like, All right. listen, he's not that good looking. <laughs> all right. So let me jump not, in. Not here. offended. Not offended at all. All right. So if I could, let me jump in here for a second. So here's, here's where it went off the rails for me. I mean, I know, Star Trek, the original series, is set in the 60s, and I agree with all that. And we have seen re- episodes that we've reviewed where you've had Kirk or the captain. I know when we went back and reviewed the original uh, story, you know, the original pilot, where you had the woman paired with the man, and they're making googly eyes at each other, and we get all of that, and all that's good. What got it for me was as soon as... You know, he's they see Khan or, you know, who we know to be Khan now. She starts having this like <laughs> this, this look on her face. And not only that, where it broke for me was the lighting that they used. It looked like something out of well, pre touched by an angel. Like they always do that for TOS. That's a TOS staple, though, when the love interest is involved, kind of. Oh, it, 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 it just. It felt, I mean, it just broke the story for me. And then at that point, when we see Khan, I maybe have my dislike of her, the way she was looking at him onto him. But for me, I found him cheesy. So cheesy. <sighs> oh, come on, guys. So, so, well, let me, let me, let me help Miss uh, MacGyver's out just a little bit. She already has a, well, we learned that she has a, already has a fascination with great men. We see where she's she's have has all these paintings in her quarters. Uh Richard the Lionhearted, Leif Erikson, Napoleon. And so so it they kind of in a weird way established that she's fascinated with these great men. I mean it's sort of like you're fascinated with these great actors and then you see one of them and they're there to hang with you and they're smitten by you. You know I think they kind of explained it away, but still, I agree with all of you guys' points. She felt, it, it felt like she fell just a little bit too quick. 
And and then you have the other side of that where it almost felt like Kirk was offended that she liked her. Did did anybody get that? That that oh, Kirk yeah. was kind of offended that he, oh, I'm not the love interest. She liked this new guy. And then from there it was just like a measuring contest between Kirk and <laughs> which I loved. It was it was great, but that's kind of what set up the rest of the episode to me. What about you guys? I didn't get much from that. Uh, I mean, I did see that he was kind of like, wow, somebody else, you like somebody else getting the attention other than me. But I, did, I was just, this is, I was completely just stuck on why she was so caught up on this guy. I just thought the whole, that whole plot line was just completely unnecessary. He's a buff dude, man. He was a buff dude. And he was a bad boy of his era. Uh, I guess. So did she know who it was from first sight? Nah, I think she learned who it was. So um, all she seen was muscles. And and if she if she she may have known, but she didn't tell Kirk. And that's another problem I have with the episode. I I really like the episode, guys. If you're listening, <laughs> but but an- that's another problem I had is because she was supposed to be a historian, but to me, she didn't really do anything. Whenever it came to a point where they needed to know some historical fact, it was always. It was always Kirk or Spock that gave us that information. I don't think she gave us anything. Honestly, she was really useless. No, the the historian factor to me was a reason that whoever wrote it d- decreed for her to go on the away team. Other than that, she could have been Yeoman MacGyver who was swept away when she walked in by the... I, to me, it would have made a lot more sense if she would have just been some random person walking down the hall. He looks at her, Google eyes, he's, she's enthralled and follows him back, blah, blah, blah. That would have made much more sense to me. Yeah, and again, if you're gonna if you're gonna make her the historian, just give her some facts to throw out at us. Which you know, again, like I don't, maybe she did, but it wasn't as significant as what Kirk and Spock told us throughout the episode. If it had to be the one part I dislike about it, it's just that that was just kind of, and I guess I guess they just had to build a story somewhere, and that's where it started. But it, it just bothered me. I guess. All right. Well, let me add this one other thing that would have, I think, made it okay for me. She could have still been the historian, but if they would have in one of her introduction sequences or, you know, in that introduction sequence for her, if they would have given the audience some kind of clue that she had more of an obsession with with whomever that she was going to meet. I don't know how they would have done that, but if you would have given me a little bit more that she's kind of nutty then oh. i could have because <laughs> well, she ultimately they're... was kind of nutty yeah she was yeah what a handsome group of people <laughs> <laughs> oh boy i'm with you i'm with you Kyle. i like there needed to be some more backstory on her to make well, it work even not necessarily a backstory but like you know that first shot of her and her quarters you know they had like all the same person you know like all these pants you know like you know, Napoleon, like if she had all the same like paintings and busts and all that of Napoleon, something like that, a, a singular fixture, that would have made more sense in the context of the story. Yeah. Or even so, if she said something like, I've always dreamed of meeting, I'm finally going to meet a historical figure, I've always dreamed of this or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I get that. I get that. So um, a few things that happened back on Enterprise. Um once Khan, who we come to know as Khan, is being aboard, uh, McCoy is amazed by his physical and recuperative powers. 
<laughs> we learned there are 72 occupants still alive. And then, you know, this is kind of where Spock starts giving us some information. He can find no records of Botany Bay, which is a ship that was designed for interplanetary travel only. And then we have where Kirk recalls that Botany Bay was the name of a penal colony in Australia. You know, again, the historian didn't deduce this. He did. So <laughs> what's the point of the computers if the people know everything anyway? Because it seems like well, whatever well, there's they oh, did. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, they did say that they weren't in the records, though. But you're saying it's dumb. Well, I'm saying that they, they never seem to be in the records. So, so like eight times there's bits of information about like this come out. They're never in the records. Somebody in the room happens to have that piece of information locked away. Yeah, that that is weird. But I will say they had a good story explanation for why I wasn't in the computers. Is because, you know, if, if, if America accidentally lit out you know, 50 prisoners by mistake and nobody knows where they are, they're not going to announce that on the news. Probably they're going to try to find them first. Um, so that's, yeah. that's kind of the excuse they have, but still seems like it should have been in a computer database somewhere. You know, if, <laughs> after 50 years, y'all ain't found them. Nobody's going to fess up. I don't know. <laughs> Even if it was just like for captains only like high security clearance. Yeah. Omega directive. Or something could just have been wiped from the official Starfleet records. You know, that theoretically could happen, maybe. It's, it's, it has happened. <laughs> Insufficient facts, man. But I, I, I do think we have to be fascinated by this different, improved breed of human. And, you know, ultimately, I think in this episode, it threatened Kirk, <laughs> maybe the most, because we always look at Kirk, at least I do in Star Trek. I look look at him as being the alpha male, maybe more so than anybody else in Star Trek that I can immediately think of uh, other than you no know, war for somebody. <laughs> but he's definitely like the alpha of TOS by far. And then he has this genetically engineered guy who can top him on every point, even even intellectually. That is the biggest point in this episode. Cause Do you the, think? Huh? I don't think he topped him intellectually. He challenged him intellectually. I mean, that was the battle. That was the battle. I mean, we, we know that uh, Khan wins the physical battle, but it was a battle of wits, which that same, that's the same battle that goes on in the Wrath of Khan. They're trying to intellectually top each other. And I guess I have to watch that to get that. But like here, I think the only reason that Kirk was able to win was because he was intellectually more powerful than Khan was. I don't, I think the only reason Kirk was able to win is because MacGyver's came to her senses. Didn't he top him on every point? He had him in the uh, decompression chamber by the end of it. And Guyver's pretty much saved yeah. the ship. Which brings me to another point I don't like. Like, uh, God, anyway, we won't go. We'll, we'll wait till we get there. But that was kind of like, again, something else that was kind of put in to kind of make a story. But how many mm-hmm. times have we seen this happen in different episodes? And there's some. Oh, okay. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> okay. No, I'm just, again, you're comparing about stuff you've seen that came out yeah, after this. No. All no. the stuff you talked about came out after this. And it's probably. But even, even up until this point, you've seen Kirk get out of worse situations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of. Yeah. And you want, you want to talk about superior strength. I mean, you have a Vulcan sitting here that has superior strength. He could have challenged Khan intellectually mm-hmm. and physically. They said Khan is five times the human strength or something. I think a Vulcan is twice as strong, but yeah. Mother. (laughs) (laughs) 
But you Even know, Siri disagrees. Siri disagrees. <laughs> right. Damn you, Siri. No, I mean, but but I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. I feel like you can't really judge this ep- what happened, the events that happened this episode by stuff that we've seen that came out after it. You got to kind of say, okay, this is maybe a few of the first times this has happened. Um, so I don't know. I, I get your point, though, 100 percent, especially in Trek. You've seen this. I mean, to me, it kind of mirrors this a little bit in the not verbatim but there's a chamber at the end of the con <laughs> just like they copied that same chamber in the uh in the darkness movie um it's a little different but still and we've seen this in plenty of other sci-fi as well so i don't know man um well even even the um i mean even in tos there's previous episodes where he's gotten out of worse situations like true you know, it it just it seems like they just gave up to him. And, I, you know, which kind of led me back to maybe he has some kind of mental control, I guess, would make which then would make him more superior intellectually. But I was like, really, I was just going to lay here on a bridge and die. I don't like nobody has a great thought. Oh, we talk about stupid things in the episode like Kirk just offers up the freaking ship schematics. Like what? Right. You just met this guy. You you have a suspicion that he's genetically imp- superior than you. And oh yeah, you can search our schematics here. Um, yeah, have fun with that. Show him McCoy. But oh. see, if they would have just given a one, a throwaway line that says something to the effect of not only did he was he five times you know physically superior, but he had five times the tactician uh, you know strategy ability or something like that or you know increased brain capacity i think that would have made him less cheesy for me well i think mccoy does say that mccoy says he's physically stronger he said something to the effect i wonder if he's mentally as strong as well he does the way he wasn't he didn't show that at all he would if if not for macgyver's turning tail at the end everybody would be dead I hear you, which is kind of goes back to the point of why did everybody give up so fast? But like, let's just think about it. What did Khan do? He hacked into the computer, locked down everything and turned off life support to the bridge. That's it. Nobody could figure that out. Well, if he locked them on the bridge and he turned off life support, what are you going to do? I mean, I'm sure we've seen that before that same scenario before. Well, maybe after this, but. Okay, so when Kirk was dealing with the, I don't know if this was before or after this episode, when he was dealing with the aliens that had him locked in the cage and they responded to anger and all that, uh, that was after the cage. That was the pilot, wasn't it? Yeah, that, was the, that wasn't that Kirk, though. But No, Kirk was in that. He was, he was in the menagerie recap of that, but he wasn't in the actual story. Well, but my point is, they're smart enough to figure ways out of these things. And yeah. nobody could figure out a way out of this. I mean, really, Khan didn't do much. Now, granted, he could have killed him if it wouldn't have been for MacGyver's uh, change of heart. I get it. But to say that he was intellectually superior, he did not show that at all. Now, I would go as far as to say that the crew actually had a mental lapse, which caused him to win. Like, not he didn't exceed the bar. Like, they just didn't reach the bar. Hmm. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I definitely get your point. I definitely get your point. To me, it's a combination of Kirk and crew doing stupid stuff and him taking advantage of it, basically. Um, but for as how smart that Kirk is, he he and Spock as a combination are. Um, 
they do make some mistakes, but ultimately it was him winning over uh, MacGyver's that allowed them to him to even take the ship. So maybe you can credit him for that. <laughs> I don't know. He's a player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the alpha male. She, she, she was fawning over him because he's the alpha male. Yeah, that's part of it. I think I totally think that's part of it. Okay. Well, I give him that. He, not that he was intellectually superior. It's just that he was more of a man. Oh man. <laughs> I'm not gonna say he was smarter, but he, I mean. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't, I don't know. He, he was maybe, like you say, an alpha male, but I don't think he was smarter by no means. All I know is I'm the one that started this entire conversation by saying I'm wondering if I'm going to lose my stripes because I didn't like this. And Jonathan, you are making all the arguments for me. This is awesome. <laughs> and I'm not having to say anything. I love this episode, man. It's, it's, it's... I did. I liked the episode. I really did. But... I, th- I think now we're just kind of debating opinion. Yeah. And another reason it was kind of dumb that they trusted Khan in the first place. He woke up, grabbed the scalpel and threatened to cut uh, uh, McCoy's throat when he first wakes up now. But then they just pretend like that doesn't happen. Well, McCoy never said anything. I was say, did McCoy tell anybody? Which was another stupid idea. Which I did like that scene, by the way, because McCoy was like, "You look, do what you got to do, son. I'm, I'm still right here. Right. Called his effing bluff. Like a McCoy was smart enough to psychologically talk his way out of that. Yeah, they shouldn't have trusted this guy at all. Especially when you reveal the fact of he is who he is. You should not at that point have been any way, shape, form, or fashion entertaining this dude. I mean, you should have. Yes, I mean, it's just that I think it was a good story concept, and I'm not saying in any way, shape, form, or fashion that it wasn't. I just think the execution of how it was carried out focused too much on the googly eyes that I keep referring to. If you would have had less of that and maybe more of the explaining of some of the things that Jonathan has said, to me, I think this may have been a better episode. Mm. Yeah, and you have Spock constantly referring to these guys as supermen and nobody's scared. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I really love this episode. People listening, I, I don't know what's wrong with these guys. <laughs> Again, uh, I think it's a good concept. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I like the the concept of you're taking this person from history who was known for over, you know, like ruling and taking over parts of the globe. For all intents and purposes, I like that. I and if they would have approached it differently, it would have been. It just. It seemed maybe it was too rushed. Maybe it should have been a two-parter. I don't. I don't know. It just. It, I don't think enough was given to the right story points and made it not be good for me. And maybe some of the reasons that I am being so critical is because I too have not seen the Wrath of Khan. Yeah. So I don't have that to help color this story. All I have is this particular episode. No, I mean, well, I neither get... did everyone else that was watching the series at this time. They didn't have the Wrath of Khan either. True. Not for 15 years. So, And uh, reviews that I've read were, were by and far and large mostly positive, actually. Yeah, maybe because the stuff we've seen after this is re regurgitated the same things and it's not fresh to us anymore. 
Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about as in if I went to Wikipedia and when how they rated it when it came out. Yeah, oh, yeah. Was I, was, I was just saying that in, in how it pertains to our team. <laughs> our oh, team yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And I mean, isn't, isn't that kind of what we do, though? We kind of dig into things. I mean, we could we could sit here and say, oh, it's a great episode. This, 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 this happened. All right, guys, have a good night. Like, what's the point? Like, we, we kind of dig into things and kind of we kind of get to the meat of it. And yeah. Well, sometimes I mean, you kind of pick out the bad parts of it, unfortunately. But uh, as long as long as you're giving your reasoning why you're not liking it, that's all I, I require <laughs> or ask for is just give a reason, you know. Um, so we have this moment where Khan kind of regale, regales the time of wonderful and adventurous times in the nineties, in the nineties <laughs> <laughs> and of great dreams and aspirations. While Spock recalls it as, we're in tyranny, a time under dozens of petty, petty dictators, dictatorships. And we find that, uh, Khan, uh, Noonien Singh was a dictator over 25% of the world. I think is what they said in the episode, which is very Asia and Middle East. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So and here's the issue I had with that. <laughs> if he, and, 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 you know, Mike, you, I really enjoyed this episode. But if he was that big of a dictator, if it was that big of a deal, like we still talk about Genghis Khan to this day, wouldn't you think that his name would have carried more weight through history? Yeah, well, I would say maybe yes, but from the other shows, kind of the feeling I'm getting is that they try to forget that period. Sort of like how we, well, it's sort of like when, when you have like a bad pe- bad person, you don't want to say his name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel he like this is like spoken. yeah i feel like this is similar uh to that in a sense uh so i don't know now i do give him this there was a quote well not really a quote but he said something that i really kind of took to heart and he said you know it's been 200 centuries and the human race has improved technology so dramatically but we yet have improved ourselves and maybe he was speaking strictly in the physical sense but he's not wrong true yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and it even got to the point where Kirk—I think it was Kirk, Scotty, and Bones—were talking about how he ruled. It almost like they were in awe of how he ruled a little bit. They were kind of praising him because they said that under his rule, there was no war until they waged war on him, and there was no um, masochism. Is what they said as well. So he was a good dictator? Question. <laughs> <laughs> and Spock had to kind of sit him straight. I'm like, okay, they're praising. Oh, I'm, I'm so even more confused now. <laughs> and he, I, he made he alluded to a point, and he said something to the effect of like every every group of people needs a leader, and like you have to have a strong leader. It's like he's kind of justifying why he was a dictator, and he he's not wrong. And there's a Study, and I don't remember this. I remember reading it. This scientist or somebody, somebody did this study. And they basically the summation of it was if you get a group of people and you put them on this land or this island, island per se, per se, and they have to live there for generations, eventually a leader will come come of it because, yeah. I mean, they're going to end up separating because some people are going to have skills that require water with so that group of people move toward the water the group of people move toward the wooded areas and what say and then they're going to have to trade things to survive 
And those trades are going to have to be eventually have to be supervised. So eventually you have to put somebody in charge of that. And then somebody's going to have to be in charge of supervising the supervisors. And eventually you come out to have a leader like the yeah. human race has to have leadership. And that's that's just a point of fact. And yeah. strong leadership is important. And he's, he was kind of saying that, like, you, you know, you can't be mad at me. Like, again, you guys and you just pointed that out. Like it was a good dictator like he he was a dictator but he did a good job and people were happy mm. some people the people he was ruling i guess i don't know <laughs> yeah. i think spock called it illogical romanticism All right <sighs> any other thoughts on on this episode i mean we kind of hinted at the end where everybody was on the chopping block until they actually agreed to operate the ship <laughs> under his rule uh starting with kirk so one of my favorite parts of this episode was that moment. Like, even when they knew the captain was going to die, like, and usually any show, anything you watch and there's a situation, somebody breaks. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what I was expecting. But nobody broke. Like, nobody broke. Like, they all stood fast. Like, if you want this ship, you're not going to get it with us. And I don't care if the captain dies, I die. You beat your I, I don't care what you do. You're not going to get the ship through us. And that was like, I think that's kind of what won this battle. Yeah. To me, I, know, I mean, I know Mackenzie like eventually turned and maybe that was because she seen that she seen that that togetherness. Yeah. Even that she was on stand. board. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like to me, that was the favorite part. And there was no I mean, there was no text and no storyline. And it's just everybody held their ground. Yeah. Oh, man. I have to admit that whole scene was I'm finna curse right here. It was a damn moment for me. <laughs> when old dude pimp slap your hero, man, I was like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it, th- no. <laughs> that was horrible. It was yeah, horrible. My favorite powder. <laughs> Good lord, man. That was Is wrong. Is Wayne Brady going to have to slap him? <laughs> <laughs> that was so wrong, dude. It was terrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> the treatment of women in this episode, dude. I don't know. And he did it for no reason. He wanted her to turn on the view screen. <laughs> and she didn't do it, so they turned it on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, man. Uh, and, that, and and maybe it's a key point because that's the first part where MacGyver start to be like, oh, do you have to do that? You know, it was sort of her road to coming back to the good side, I guess. But man, like you said, that freaking solidarity, man, at the end, that's, that's, that, that, that heart feels right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I have some, some, something I want to say about my, I know at one point on some episode, I got mad because it kept saying, um, elevators instead of turbo lifts. I've been watching TOS again over the last few months. I've been watching TOS and they say elevators a lot. <laughs> so I think I it's did a, not pick up on that. But I think Bones, was it Spock? It was Spock that said that. And I've heard in other episodes too. And even on the Khan movie, they say elevators. So maybe it's just like a new trick thing. Or well, well, maybe they weren't turbo at the time. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. He called it turbo elevator, uh, is what Spock called it in this episode. So. Turbo elevators not operating is what he says. So I don't know. Hey, now I do have a, a high point for me too. You all know that I'm a big critic of fight scenes. Oh man! And the fight scene with 
Kirk and Khan, I think was actually pretty good. I'm going to have to go totally completely disagree with you on that one. <laughs> that I mean, was like my biggest criticism of this really? whole episode. Oh. So this whole wrestling match that they had, because this was a, this was a wrestling match, and you can't convince me otherwise, because there was drop kicks and yeah. all that stuff. There was a long scene where you can just clearly tell that that was not William Shatner fighting. Oh, they didn't even not try. <laughs> yeah, you, you could tell. They did not even try to kind of hide that. You know, they're just they practically did a close up of the guy. Oh, well, I, I, I missed that. That was, that was distracting to me. But I mean, overall, it was a good scene, though. And and you know, I was kind of when I seen this happening, I was like, oh lord. This guy's going to like beat the crap out of Kirk. There's no way Kirk thinks he's going to win this fight. And, you know, as it started, it kind of started like I thought it would start. And Kirk didn't. Like, I thought maybe this would be a point where the writers would kind of go wrong. Like, Kirk was going to punch him and knock him out somehow. And we all know that he's supposed to be five times stronger. Yeah. But, like, he, he incapacitated him pretty good based on... Like, if you were fighting a guy that's five times as strong as you, I think that's, if you were to win, that's how you would have done it. You know what I mean? He never really, he like, the punches to his face and all that. I mean, you could see him react, but it never really affected him. The things that affected him was things that affect, I don't care who, how strong you are. Right. Like, if I kick you in the back of the knee hard enough, you're going to go down. <laughs> I don't care how strong you are. Yeah. If I hit you with a metal pole, I don't care how strong you are. Yeah, but you, you got are. to land a drop kick just right for somebody to go down. <laughs> and that's and that's what he started out with, was basically a drop kick. Well, but still, a drop kick, um, for martial arts, I know when you do that kick, you're putting your full body weight in it. And if you're 20 times stronger than I right. am, my body weight acting against your body weight is going to put you down. But to me, that did not look like a, like a karate kick. That that was a straight-up wrestling move. And there was, well, and yeah. there was several of them. Like the, it's, it, it, it's, it's classic Kirk Fu, man. That's what we're going to call it. <laughs> Kirk well, Fu. <laughs> I have a book sitting on my mantle right now called Kirk Fu. It's classic Kirk Fu, man. This this is like his stick in all of these episodes when he gets into a fight. Is it a body double sometime? Yeah, you can tell it. They don't do it. They don't even try to hide it. But, you know, this is like classic Till Westerby. So I was loving every minute of it. Like, I think it was a good fight. Like, maybe not choreographed good, maybe not filmed well. But the story of the fight, like how they wrote this story, how they wrote this fight to the the outcome of it, how they wrote it to happen, like worked for me. Like, because I went into it thinking, like, how is this fight going to happen with a guy that's five times stronger? Like, you can't screw this up. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I agree with you on that point, but just I think the execution just and, and this, I blame you for this actually because <laughs> since you started pointing this out, I've I've kind of cut my eye on it. Yeah. Now, um, and see, I didn't go, I didn't even look that deep into that because I just knew at this time that like fight scenes just cannot be executed that well you, on you camera. You just ruined so much of my life just by just <laughs> over all the years. Just so I just need you to know that. But um, I mean, I agree. The story part of it was was good, but the execution, the the cinematography of it was just. Even for 60 standards was just atrocious. It was good, dude. Oh my God, Jeremy, come on, man. It wasn't that bad, dude. Come <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, to me it was. To me it was. If, the, if this was the Gorn fight, you would have an argument. This is not the Gorn fight. You actually get to I see have a not good seen inter- the Gorn fight, and I kind don't of watch it because I'm sure That's I'm going to have the aneurysm. Listen, <laughs> I've seen two year olds put on a better fight than the Gorn fight. Oh, man. Let's go ahead and pivot to the end of the episode Kirk's Mercy during the hearing in which he was judge jury and this time uh you're going to the planet for the rest of your life is kind of what we come to he drops the charges and chooses to drop him off on city alpha five 
which is very important as you go into uh, the Rathacon. So, I mean, what about the any thoughts on the end there? Uh, was MacGyver's dumb for following them along to this desolate yes. planet? <laughs> At this point, no. <laughs> like, I kind of expected it by now. Like, I, I just knew she was going to make a dumb decision because she's been doing it the whole show. So keep the form. Let's continue making stupid decisions. Like, <laughs> and she did a great job of it. <laughs> yeah. When she she turned on her crew. Then she turned against the people she turned on her crew for. And now she's going back with the people that she turned against because she turned against. And uh, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a no win situation. She was, I mean, it was not good for her either way she went. But uh, I just, she just, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and judging from the events of Wrath of Khan, I wonder, does he even tell anybody about this? Because, well, we're going to review the Wrath of Khan one day, so I won't go into too much detail. But everything that's happening in this last little hearing here impacts what goes on in the Wrath of Khan. So it's, it's worth noting. Uh, so I just want to go around the horn and see if anyone has any favorite scenes or favorite quotes from this episode before we do I actually have both believe it or not go for it <laughs> <laughs> all right so which one scene uh, or quote? Let's, let's, let's do favorite favorite scenes first all right so favorite scenes would be the wars of the 1990s specifically like on an overview and the reason for that we've just had a conversation recently on discussing who talking about you know, is it a risk having a story set in the future and Star Trek falls in that same uh, hole, for lack of a better word, that yeah. Doctor Who does is when you've been around for 60 years and you do set something in the future, eventually you're going to surpass that future. So for that, I, I like the, you know, the the comparison between the two shows, because, you know, 1990, that was 30 something years give or take in the future yeah. than when this was aired. So, yeah, you know, that that's kind of cool to me. So that's my favorite scene. hundred percent. Did anybody else have a favorite scene? So I'm going to go back to the scene toward the end where they had all the crew held up and they were, had quirk, uh, quirk. <laughs> <laughs> they had Kirk in the decompression chamber and like everybody held strong, like that solidarity, that, that showed strength in that crew that you wouldn't see in any other crew going forward. Like I, even throughout Trek, I wouldn't, I don't expect to see that in any crew going forward, not even on the DS nine crew. I think somebody would break. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. So, that's yeah. I don't know. Especially if it was Quark. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Quark was going to sell them for sure. <laughs> oh, what about you, Jeremy? Do you have a favorite scene? Uh, yes, and and as my favorite scene and favorite quote are all kind of wrapped up into one. And uh, it was in the medical bay actually when uh, McCoy was reviving him, and he has his throat where he had his hand around his throat, and he said, "You know, if you cut up the cardioid artery, you'll do the job." And that whole standoff, yeah, I think was re- it was really good. It just kind of showed showed how much Bones just did not care what you did. He was going to do his job, right? Yeah, make it quick, <laughs> right. Yeah, he that was hardcore, man, for real. That was freaking hardcore. Man. Uh my favorite scene is any scene where uh either Khan or his lackeys were doing the Kapawea moves. Is that what it's called? 
They were kind of like stretching and doing this weird kind of mm-hmm. movements. I just thought that was the hilarious. Brazilian jiu-jitsu or <laughs> yeah. whatever. I wouldn't call it Capoeira. Yeah, I would call it yoga. <laughs> yoga. Yeah, yeah, maybe yoga. Maybe yoga. I just thought it was hilarious and cool at the same time. So I enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, the it, it was a bit of a stretch. The whole, I got to meditate before I pull this door open. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the parabolism. <laughs> like it would have been better if he had did all that and then like punched a hole through the door <laughs> but he did all of that and then pulled the door open it was kind of a let down I thought that was which cool. I know it's probably a lot probably took a lot of strength to pull that open <laughs> I was expecting a lot more from it I enjoyed that <laughs> <laughs> does anybody have a favorite quote from the this episode I, I do uh, it is I fail to understand why it always gives you pleasure to see me proven wrong. And then that is Spock saying that. And then uh, Kirk says, an emotional earth weakness of mine. That, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh-oh. And again, my favorite quote, and I don't know the exact wording of it. Jeremy put it up a minute ago, but it was just when Khan was saying, you know, we've improved technology, but we hadn't improved ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed that one as well. Jeremy, did you have anything? Uh, yeah, actually, it was from the scene I was talking about. I just found oh, a quote oh. um, at the very beginning of that scene. Well, either chug me or, or cut my throat. Make up your mind. <laughs> Classic bone. Yeah. You should go for the artery below the ear or something. <laughs> that was great. And my favorite quote is going to be at the very end, just because of the impact it has on this episode and also the Wrath of Khan, where Spock says, it will be interesting, Captain, to return to that world in 100 years. And to learn what crop is sprung from the seed you planted today. Sprung it did. Sprung it did. <laughs> well, I think we're ready to wrap this thing up. Let's go around the horn real quick. And we're going to give a rating. This is our first time giving a rating for an episode. I'm semi-scared here. Uh, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, on a one to five scale or a zero to five scale. Um, what is your rating, Jeremy, for this episode? For just legacy alone, I'll give it a five. But for an episode by itself, I'd give it a, a four. So what is your rating? Which one are we going to choose? We got to choose four. one. I'm going to go with four. Go with four? All right. What about you, John? Uh, I'm going to go with Jeremy's rating as a four. I, maybe a four minus, if that's possible. What? I mean, it's it's not bad as a three, but it's not almost a five. So like, it, it barely made it four for me. Just Just for the fact that there was a lot of setup, and as Kyle said, there's a lot of things that could have been explained a little further. Okay, I'm kind of scared about this one, Kyle. What is your <laughs> zero? Uh, no, I, I'm going to give it, and I'm only going to give this based on my personal enjoyment of watching the episode. I'm going to give it a 2.5 for me personally, just based on my personal enjoyment. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. 2.5 from Cal. And I'm going to give this episode a 4.3. I guess I really enjoyed it. You're just I, getting fancy there with the, well, well, with the well, decimals. I, I think I liked it better than you guys, but it's not at the top of my list because I know we're going to review some better episodes. So I want to leave room to give a five um, at the top. <laughs> what 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 was the point seven that was missing, <laughs> or what was the point three that took it over the top of four? <laughs> uh, I I was simply because I enjoyed it a lot better than you guys. I probably would give it maybe I should go to four point five, but 
I just didn't think it was a worthy of a five because I know I'm have some fives coming in the next few episodes we're going to review. So I want to leave some room because everything can't be a five. Uh, and I know some episodes I'm going to go down. So I'm kind of kind of gauging a little bit. This is our first kind of rating. So you have to I think everything else we rate has to be predicated off what we rate right here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I don't want to go too high. Right. Well, let's not ever go into DS9 because I'm going to give you all five. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's it. We want to see what everybody's been working on podcast related or otherwise, or what are you watching? What are you listening to? Uh, whatever. Let's see what you're into. Let's go with you first, John. Um, so not much real podcast related or even Star Trek related recently. Uh, I have been watching The Expanse, which is pretty darn good. Yo, I told you. So. I told you. <laughs> Did you just start? Uh, yeah, I think I'm on like seven, episode seven. Doesn't it feel a lot like as far as layout, how they tell the story, doesn't it feel like a lot like Picard season one? Yes, it does. Yeah. It does. I yeah. like it. So, yeah, I've been doing that. Uh, unfortunately, I hadn't gotten to watch a lot of it because my focus now recently. So, you know, we're going through this whole pandemic thing and, you know, it, I, everybody has opinions. There's a lot of professionals, a lot of scientists and all that has different opinions on how we can do be better and how we can fight this. But it seems like the consensus that no one's really speaking about is, you know, if we were in better health overall, this wouldn't be as big of a problem. Uh, and, you know, not only because of coronavirus, but because just I have not always been best of health. So I've been on a journey to better that health. i mm. um, been listening to a lot of people that um, just a lot of people that kind of champions a healthy, healthier lifestyle, exercise, eating right. Uh, I listen to a lot of the Joe Rogan podcast, which is pretty good. Um, I mean, it takes his episodes are like three hours long a lot of times. So that's usually over a span of three days. But a lot of his people he interviews like and I, I, I think everybody should check out his episode with David Goggins. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. I have not. OK, well, David Goggins, I don't, I don't take up too much time, but just check him out. He's a. Um, He's an ex-Navy SEAL, Navy, um, Army Ranger, Delta Force. Like, he's an ultra runner. I had no idea these things exist. They're called ultra races and, like, super long, like 150 miles, two, 205-mile races. And they're not staged races like where you do 20 miles one day and come back the next day and do another 20. Like, you start running and you don't stop till you finish. Oh, wow. So, like. This guy has finished a 205 mile run, nonstop running in like 37 hours or something. He's gone through Hell Week, which is the Navy SEAL week. They call buds like you basically proving ground whether or not you get to be a Navy SEAL. He's gone through it three times that that has happened to nobody ever. Um, And the reason he went through it three times is because first time, obviously, he failed the second time. Uh, it was such a challenge to him that they actually kicked him out and he went back and did, did it again. But this guy started off just poor challenge, 300 and some pound guy eating donuts and shakes all his life. He could barely run a quarter of a mile. Like you should definitely listen to that. So things like that. Uh, I've been listening to Dwayne Rock Johnson, uh, some of his story and his motivation. So I'm on a big health kick, man. I think we all should be kind of trying to do whatever we can to make ourselves healthier. Yeah, man, I 100% agree, man. There's 
as of right now, no cure for COVID. And that maybe the best thing we can do is to safely be in the best health we can. And they're finding that the healthier people, which I mean, there are some offshoots where the healthier people still contract COVID and die. But for the most part, the healthier people have a better chance of fighting this off. If you are, if you so happen to contract COVID-19, you, if you're a healthier person, you have a better chance of fighting yourself. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Jeremy, man, what about you, dude? Well, that's a hard act to follow for one. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, I, I will say to kind of add to what Jonathan's been saying, you know, I've known this man for probably 15 years and just, especially the past couple of years that we've really been friends and our friendship has really kicked up. I've noticed he's, a very, he's been a very positive influence in my life, both, phys- both physically and mentally and spiritually. So it's it's working, and he's doing a great job. I'm very proud of him. I'm very proud to call him my friend. Um, As a monster. Thank you. So you know, he's a, he's my brother. That's how I refer to him. He's my he's my brother. So you're know, happy, and we're seeing you. One of us is color, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, he it's 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 working for him, and it's it's. I don't necessarily say it's going to rub, it's rubbing off on me. I'm a bit more stubborn than he is, probably, but but he's his positivity has helped me out. Awesome sauce. But also, in unrelated, watch Umbrella Academy season two. It is awesome. I'm almost done with it. It is great. I hadn't started it. I can't wait. I've only watched part of the first episode, but maybe I should say that. Cal, what about you, man? <laughs> I'm on uh, episode number four of Umbrella Academy, and I know I've been mentioning on Discussing Who that I've been watching Death in Paradise, and I don't know if I've mentioned it on here, but I'm on uh, series seven right now. So uh, really enjoying that and absolutely cool watching that. And uh, what am I working on? Always check us out, of course, at DiscussingWho.com. That's it for me. Awesome. And I will add that our next review is going to be City on the Edge of Forever, episode 28. The official episode is number 28. (laughs) This is City on the Edge of Forever. Awesome freaking episode. Oh, my God. So good. And if y'all don't like that one, it's going to hurt my soul. (laughs) So so definitely, if if you're listening, you made it this far, definitely watch up for next week. Again, City on the Edge of Forever. And, um... Yes, for me, I've not been up to too much. I started watching, I guess, Umbrella Academy and kind of fell off and been watching a lot of Expanse, trying to finish up the run of that to get to the current season. But other than that, man, just uh, watching some TOS when I can. So uh, that's me. And also, I'll throw a shout out for Relativity, the Relativity podcast. You should definitely be checking that out as we wind the series down. If for anyone who's listened to Relativity, episode 53 is one of Clarence Brown's best episodes, hands oh, down. Man, really? Thanks. I appreciate I, you, I sir. I thought you did a fantastic job. Appreciate you, sir. But yeah, we're going to leave it there. Uh, hit us up at Discussing Trek on all the social medias and fans at DiscussingTrek.com for feedback. Thanks for joining us, guys, on this rather long episode. <laughs> and until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek Podcast. 
For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. Hey guys, it's Sergio from Reality Breached. We've got a bunch of different podcasts over on our network at realitybreached.com, and one of my favorites is Shellheads, a TMNT podcast. Shellheads is a deep dive into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in ways you've never heard before. From the early comic days to the current Nick show, nothing is off limits. Jeff from the Warp Zone Arcade joins me to binge watch and power read through a comprehensive library of TMNT fandom. Check Shellheads out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more details, visit realitybreached.com. Discussing Network.